Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today Vanderbilt play-by-play man Andrew Allegretta. We'll talk some Commodore basketball. So with that, let's get right to our interview with Andrew. Andrew Allegretta joins us today as we talk Vanderbilt basketball. Apparently my dog is going to join us today. He is sitting outside my office window in my house barking because nobody's paying him attention. So uh, you get a two-for-one today. You get Andrew and you probably get Oreo too. That's nice. What kind of dog is Oreo? He is a Shih Tzu with something else mixed in. I'm not sure what it is, but um, (laughs) people have images of Shih Tzus, and whatever your image of this guy is, it is not that, I can promise you. He is, he's an interesting animal. We don't believe in getting dull animals. We've had three Shih Tzus since we've been in this house. Two died. Um, One was 16, one was 17, uh, and one we actually had to give away to my parents uh, before he died because he did not care for kids too much that doesn't work very well but um no the the lees the lees we never get a boring dog i can promise you that uh that feels like a very uh dog owner statement he's shih tzu and something that we don't know of yeah he's got a he's got a longer nose than shih tzus have they have this kind of (laughs) um you know compressed snout and he doesn't have that which makes it good for Biting and chewing, he's got more surface area with the teeth there. Um, just to update the chewed remote count. I think the last time we discussed this on a podcast, it was at eight. He's gone to nine. I was sitting watching oh, hoops good. the other night and I heard this crunch. And, and sure enough, I'd left the the remote on the couch and he had gone to town. It still works, but um, this dog has got the strongest jaws, pound for pound. I mean, it's <laughs> he's a, he's a freak. Uh, that's that's good. Um, I think you and Feinbaum should do a dog podcast because, as I understand it, Feinbaum is a gigantic dog lover. Yeah. So uh, it's podcast gold just sitting right there for you. Yeah, well, you're going to hear a lot of him today, apparently, because he's not good. shut up. But anyway, let, let's, let's, talk, let's talk Vandy basketball. Um, yeah, I'm looking for a segue there, but it's just not coming to me. But let's start here. Um, Commodore's had a weird game with Temple the other night. That that game was lost until it wasn't. Scotty Pippen Jr. hits a really contested three at the buzzer to get them to overtime, and they can't pull it off. Look, it's been a struggle the last couple of weeks. What's your take on this team right now? That's a good question. I don't know that I've got some sort of specific take on this team at this, this exact moment in time because uh, – for what it's worth, I guess, just in full disclosure, I, I do kind of parachute in and then I parachute out because I don't travel with them uh, to, say, Pittsburgh or whatever it happens to be. I still think there's a lot of interesting pieces here, um, and I still think there's plenty of talents. Um, that is certainly for sure, whether it's Pippen, whether it's Jordan Wright, whether it's Miles Studi, you can go down the list. There's plenty there for this team. Um, I, I think it's... 
I don't know. I'd be curious Stackhouse's analysis of it. It certainly feels like the capabilities of this team, there's another level for them to get to on a consistent, you know, coaching cliche, 40 minutes sort of level, because the way they played down the stretch against Temple was a team that wins that ball game. Uh, but as it kind of throttles up and throttles down, it makes it more difficult over the course of uh, 40 minutes. So I don't necessarily think that anybody's not playing hard or whatever it is. That's not the insinuation. It's just it's just figuring out the, the best version of yourself and trying to maximize that on a 40-minute level, which is always difficult. Uh, but there's pieces here for, I think, a couple of these games to come together, and hopefully they use these a uh, couple of trip-ups over the past week or so, whatever it is, um, whether it's SMU, whether it's the Temple game, uh, to help them understand exactly the best version of themselves as we hit the end of non-conference and transition into SEC play. Okay, I'm going to ask you the question I'm sure you get asked five times a day, uh, but people want to know, do you have any idea when they get Robbins or Chapman back? Not a clue. Um, I don't. Um, I think... I think the feeling was Chapman's a little bit closer than Robbins. Um, you know, the thing that I think with with all of that is I hope they get those guys back um, in a fashion that allows them to gel before it's too late. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, just because you get them back for, let's say they're ready, game one of SEC play, hypothetically speaking. That comes with absolutely no inside knowledge. But if you get them back, game one of SEC play does not mean that you figured out your rotations right away and everybody has gelled together. It's going to take another week or two or whatever it happens to be. You know, who's, can you hear that phone ring? I did not. Oh, that's good to know. I'm getting a lovely phone call from Norman Jordan at the moment, which I will call him back because his good buddy, uh, Mike McIntyre just got hired as the oh FIU. yes at FIU yeah um, yes so we'll we'll chat with Norm about that later uh, but um, it, it's just going to take a little bit of time even when those guys get together uh, to be the best version of that Commodore's basketball team so I just hope they get them back in a fashion that allows them to gel to hit the stretch run effectively. Yeah, as I've said, this is a what doesn't kill you makes you stronger thing potentially, but unfortunately it's trended in the other way because timelines seem to keep getting pushed back for guys. I mean, it sounded like before the season started, Chapman was a four- to six-week thing. I think we're right in the middle of that timeline right now, so it looks like it's going to be the end of that. Uh, The Robbins thing Man, who knows? I I do question whether you'll see him much, if at all, this year. That's just a gut feeling more than anything else. But the problem is now they lost two games that they really needed to win if they were going to make a run at the NIT. I think the NCAA was always going to be a pretty ambitious goal. I thought NIT might be realistic uh, with some year-to-year improvement and some health. But I think now the problem is – that's going to be really hard to bite off. They really need to beat Loyola on Saturday or Friday, excuse me. Yeah, so I'm going to pull this up here. I think I get to use a bit of a football line when it comes to the SEC, but because the basketball is so strong in this conference at the moment, um, you can make up ground. Whatever tournament is that you're thinking of, whether it's the NCAA or it's the NIT, there's enough out there within this conference to make up ground. But yeah, for sure. Like 
you are missing proverbial opportunities and you're also you're also missing the opportunity to get that win total um, high enough where your resume is really strong, right? It just it puts more pressure on you in conference play. Um, that 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 would be the that would be the the trip up there. What do you see going wrong with this offense? I think a lot was made of the fact that they didn't have good assist totals the other night, and I'm sure some of that corresponded with Scottie Pippen being ill and not being on the floor as much. But it just, to me and a lot of other people, looked like that offense was stagnant. It's relied lots on -on one-on-one creation, which wasn't really happening enough. Uh, They've had issues with this for a couple of weeks now. Where do you think they get better there? Who is making a big deal out of the lack of assists? Uh, I've got a writer who who noted that. Uh, Oh. But anyway. No. (laughs) I was going to laugh. Like, to me, those moments, that's something that we talked about on our broadcast with Shane, is the fact that I think like midway through the second half, they only had one assist up on the board. Right. So there's there are chuckle moments for a play-by-play announcer when someone comes and talks to you about a thing with the team, and they're like, yeah, they were making a big deal out of X, or they were making a big deal out of Y, and then you're sitting there in the back of your brain going, yeah, it's... It's because I said that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, I, I, I think some of I, I don't know. Like, Chris, I'm always very guarded to get too into the weeds about the technicals of any sport, not just hoops, football, baseball, hockey. Like, I don't intellectually operate on that level. So it's not that I don't know the game, but. If you put me in a film room with so-and-so, you know, they're going to do laps around me. Um, Yes, clearly. I think one of the things that was of concern that we thought saw some bright spots coming into the season was on a night in which Scottie Pippen can't single-handedly win you a ball game. There was options two, three, and four that were going to be consistent and steady. And sometimes we've gotten that. Sometimes we haven't gotten that so far from the Vandy team. Um, I think Jordan Wright did not score his first point until the second half against Temple. I think that sounds right. Miles Studi, uh, with all of his big-time shots throughout the course of the first handful of weeks, was uh, noticeably quiet against Temple. Uh, Trey Thomas, who had a really good game earlier in the season, has also continued to struggle uh shooting on a consistent level throughout the course of the season. Um, so look, it, it, it all has kind of come and gone. You know, I think the thing that, um, I think the thing that Shane doing the broadcast with him wants to see is I, I think he wants to see a team that's in attack mode more often. And I think he wants to see more guys being aggressive about being positive toward the offense when they don't have the ball. Right. So it's to, to piggyback on what you're saying, it's yeah, it becomes a lot of, you know, golden state warriors sort of ISO ball or two man game sort of stuff. And, and that's fine. Like you can be effective that way. And there's a lot of teams that play that way currently. It's just, if you're going to do it, boy, you've really got to lean into it and you've got to be consistent and, and, and you need to really, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, Shane was talking about 
just making sure that if you're going to go that direction, that you do everything possible to to be successful within that particular vision of offense. So I, I don't know, like uh, I, I hesitate to, to, to go too, too far on, on anything. I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I think you've seen a lot of strong performances. It's, it's just, you know, the, the consistency kind of wanes at times. Um, and, and, you know, Scotty obviously wasn't himself throughout the course of that ball game, just based on minutes alone. Um, and, and you just really want from a Vanderbilt standpoint to know that you're going to get 10 to 15 from Jordan. You're going to get, uh, you're going to get 10 to 15 from Studi, whatever it is, right? Like, and, and some of that kind of stuff comes and goes for the team offensively. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Yeah, any sense of where they're headed with playing time and rotation? Because the other night you saw three starters that found the pine for a good period of time. Trey Thomas found a little more time. Shane Dezoni has gotten some more floor time at points. I have a feeling he's going to play more as the year goes on. I think he's very talented, but it's just a matter of learning things. Any sense of trends or where they may be headed with the rotation or or is it just as you look at what happened last week, sometimes it's a, a matchup thing or a guys weren't playing that well that night? Uh, any clues on where all this is headed? I'm not coming up with great answers for you, Chris. I, I think. <laughs> hey, look, the, the answers are, are tough when it gets like this at times. I've, I've done this podcast a few times through the year. Yeah, no, and I've and I've worked with a handful of teams throughout the course of my tenure, too, that that go through their spells that are difficult. Uh, to put it mildly, um, and that has nothing to do with Vanderbilt. Um, I think it's going to be a matter of figuring out your primary options, right? Like you've got to maximize Scotty. You've got to maximize Jordan. You've got to maximize Trey. You've got to maximize um, Studi. Uh, you've got to get the best out of Melora Brown. Like if these are your guys, like they've got to be your guys. Uh, and you got to figure out how to get them to the point where um, – they're playing their personal best brand of basketball. So like all of those guys that you're talking about, um, I think are, are very talented players and I think they become important pieces. Um, you know, I, I'll never forget, uh, a coach told me at one point in time, fans always like to think it's how your roster changes from year to year. It's more about how your roster changes within a season and what you do with it. 
So you go into this season, you think you're going to have Robbins, you think you're going to have Chapman, or even if you know that there's some question marks there, you think you're going to have them in a different time frame than you actually do. Um, or on a given night, Scotty's not feeling 100% or whatever. Again, like I'm not implying anything with Scotty. Um, but again, his minutes were noticeable. Um, and, and creating the best version of your team around that is what coaching really becomes. And it's probably why Nick Saban feels as proud about this version of Alabama's football team as he does about the ones that just throttle people uh, because he's – He's needed to figure it out within the course of the season. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just I, I go back to figuring out the best way to maximize Jordan, the best way to maximize um, Scotty uh, and, and getting significant contributions on a regular basis from Trey Thomas, from Studi, from whatever. Like your top list guys have to be your top list guys. Yeah, and and to put it another way in terms of having difficulty, I'm looking at the stat sheet. Right now they've got, what is it, six guys who have played between 135 and 170 minutes. Not all that much difference when you go per game. That pans out to about 17 to 21 a game. I mean, they've just got a lot of guys who are in that mix. You've got – Pippen, you got right at the top, and then it's kind of like everybody else, and Dezoni behind that pack, but maybe catching it pretty quickly. Well, so back to that initial point for just a second. You've got you've got Alabama at nine, Kentucky at ten, Arkansas at twelve, Tennessee at thirteen. You've got Auburn at eighteen. Is LSU in there? Because LSU's unbeaten. I don't know if uh-huh. they made the and rankings LSU, yet. Yeah. But, and um, LSU is ranked at 25. Yeah. So all of that is to say that if if you get to a place that you need to be at, you've got opportunities out there. I think the thing that I always went through with a team that I worked with previously about trying to make the postseason is that you knew you were going to have to fight through the ACC. Um And X number of wins was tangible and X number of wins maybe wasn't tangible. And every time you fell in the non-conference, it made it more difficult to get to that 500 threshold throughout the course of the ACC play. I'm not saying that's applicable to Vanny's men's basketball team right this second. Um, I I just – Every time you every time you fall in a non-conference game, it just makes it a little bit harder and the pressure goes up a little bit in conference play. Uh, But the opportunities are right there in front of you from a conference standpoint. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's go to the mailbag if you're ready for that. Yes. All right. Our mailbag is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. Okay, Believe22 says, Andrew, after the first six games, the defense looked elite. Chris even wrote about this recently. Uh, For the record, that wasn't me. That was Sam, our basketball writer, wrote about it. Um, Says, what's gone wrong since? Is it scheme? Guys just having an off game or just plain bad luck? I'd appreciate your perspective on what ails us. And again, I know – X's and O's and those things are not your scheme or not not right up your alley, but yeah, you, you no, watch the team I, at the same time. Yeah, so no, and I, I mean I certainly know X's and O's. It's just I'm always cautious and a bit guarded about going too far with it, right? Because Shane Foster knows more than I do, for example. Um, what's gone wrong with the team? Um, 
I, I hesitate here because the second half against SMU is a problem. Um, Vandy is holding teams, I think, to like 37, 38% field goal percentage, which is second in the conference so far this season. And SMU shot 63% um, in that second half. Um, but I don't know that there's been a long trend of negative defensive play. Do you think there's been a long trend of negative defensive play, Chris? No, and that's why I was I was yeah. a little confused by the question. To me, their issues aren't so much on defense; they're on offense. But maybe there's maybe the the questioner is seeing something that I'm not seeing. So, no, I mean I think that second half against SMU was very fair. Um, I, I think turnovers were certainly a factor in that, and I think. You know, it's always hard to give credit to the opponents, but sometimes it's necessary. I mean, like SMU has Kendrick Davis, who's, I think, second in the conference AAC in scoring, and he's like first in assists. Like, he's a very good player, and I've watched SMU play in person in that building in the past with Tulane, and he makes that thing go, and he makes that thing go with speed. Um so, you know, I think Vandy kind of struggled with turnovers in the second half of that game against SMU, if I'm not kind of mistaken. And, you know, you miss some shots and they get out and running and all of that sort of stuff. So there was definitely a very negative half defensively against SMU um, in the second half, which is why they lost that ball game for sure. I just I don't know that I would go so far to say that there is an issue defensively just yet. But what it certainly highlights is that if your defense is not buttoned up, um, your offense isn't necessarily going to carry it at this exact moment. Um, Scotty can do a lot of things, but Scotty is always going to need help. And if Scotty's not scoring 40 points, um, you know, you're in trouble. And what's kind of funny, too, and I think Bandy fans know this uh, from last year, is just because you've got someone scoring 30 points doesn't necessarily mean it's the world's greatest thing because everyone just hands the basketball to Scotty or whoever. And then the other people go quiet. Like you'd rather have Scotty with 15 to 20 and then a bunch of other guys with 10 versus Scotty with 30 and a bunch of other guys with four. Um, so it's not so much that you're concerned about the defense, but it's just, it's an acknowledgement that if the defense has a night in which it's not perfect uh, you're going to get some hiccups, which is, I think, back to football, right? <laughs> like you, you kind of you recognized in games that um, if if the if the opponent scored 14 to 21 quick points, then it was going to be a tough night because the offense just ha- doesn't have the firepower to to close that sort of gap. Yeah, let me bring some data your way, and and by the way, Oreo is. Uh, May need He's to done play. well. He, he made well. I I can hear him. I don't know if you can. He may need to place a call to Sutherland and Belk if if he can't get over this. <laughs> but um, let's see. Points per possession given up. 0.97 against Temple. That's good. Um, SMU one point two seven. That's not good. Before that, uh, Mississippi Valley State. I know that's a horrible team. Uh, but 0.51. That's that's terrific. Uh, Pitt, it was 0.84. That's really good. So, I mean, and these aren't the greatest offenses they're playing, but you play what's in front of you. And sometimes when you're playing a bad team, maybe the effort lacks uh, and you 
you know, you give up some more points as a consequence. I haven't seen that so far. So, again, I, I just continue to think, I think most people do too, the issues that I see are on offense. Now, look, when they play SEC teams, which are a lot better, I'm a little concerned about a gap in athleticism because I've watched these other teams play. But I'm with you right now. For me, the defense just is not where the issues have mostly been. Temple shot 35.6%. They went 18 for 15, uh, 51 from the floor. They went 6 of 21. That's 28% from three-point range. Um, you know, uh, Dunn is a pretty good player. Um, he spent most of the game on the bench with foul trouble. Um, and they, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's, I, yes, I would say, I would say consistent scoring and, and figuring out the best version of yourself offensively is, is the primary focus. Okay. Let's hit a few more questions. I like this one. Ann Arbor says, Andrew, I think I heard you say on a broadcast, Pippen to Jordan. Thanks for that. Would you consider a yes? It counts on a made three pointer like Marv Albert. I'd be happy to consider it. <laughs> consider it done. All right. Consider it done on Friday. We may have to hold you to that. Um, NBA door says, "How hard is it to call games from Memorial with the lower vantage point?" I don't think that's. Well, I guess it is a little bit of so, an issue because you're so courtside at most games. Was, oh, know. was Tulane the same way where your 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 eyes are at knee level? No. So I, I I've never called a game um, from that vantage point just yet because. Our SEC Network Plus broadcast started off remotely um, just once we got stuff ironed out about where we were going to physically be inside Memorial. Um, And since we've moved back into Memorial, we're actually in a suite, uh, which they've done in the past. Um, So we're. We're in a suite, so I've never. never No, wait, are you in the suite behind the chair backs? Yeah. That, now that's interesting. That used to be where they put us. I hate that vantage point. Um, I mean, you, you can you can see some good things, but I think being on the floor would be a lot easier to call the game. But maybe it's maybe it's know, in the eye of the so, beholder. Yeah. yeah. No, and I and I think the question is it's a good question, and I, I don't know. Like honestly, Kevin would be a better person to ask that question to. In fact, I think as a result of kind of struggling to see different places on the floor, they made sure that a monitor is always over there. So, you know, you're not going to be able to see sometimes if something is a two or a three, and that's a problem. Um, For me personally, and I think Kevin might echo this as well. If you have been through the number of places that we've been through, I don't just mean like SEC or whatever. I mean, just like going back throughout the arc of our career, we've called games like, I mean, I've told the story where I called a baseball game where a baby was getting changed next to me. I had to call it in the stands and a baby got changed next to me during a game. Or um, I've I've done it like down the first base line on a card table in the rain with all of my gear covered with a trash bag. So like we've been through so many things that like, if you start talking about, Oh, I'm on the court or I'm in a suite level, like it starts to, it starts to like not become a major issue at a certain point when you kind of put yourself back in a perspective of all of the places that you've called games throughout the course of your career. I mean, like I can tell you which venues in the sec were more of a struggle um, from a football standpoint, like South Carolina was a little bit tricky because you're maybe like eight miles up into the atmosphere with that particular vantage point. Um, but you bring binoculars and you survive or, 
you know, Vanderbilt's vantage point is actually pretty good. Um, I've done football games where you're basically in the end zone, which is the case at Auburn. Um, so there's different vantage points that get tricky, but I'm telling you, like we've, <laughs> we've all called games in absurd locations, um, in like rickety high schools or whatever it is throughout the course of your career that at a certain point, like, I don't know, I'm not doing the, I'm not doing the Sunday night football game. So I'm just, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm very much happy to be working SEC venues. I'll give you my perspective, having covered from different parts of that gym. Right now, they've got the riders in the crow's nest. I don't know if you've ever been up there or not. Um, Chris, you're missing the point of my whole spiel. I, I think ha- I am. <laughs> yeah. We're happy to be here. There's really no difference. You can kind of make your way around some of the hiccups wherever they happen to be. Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> and, then, and then the immediate follow-up is... Now, let me tell you what's a disaster. Well, no, no, no. That's actually not where I'm I, – I, I, I do get what you're saying. I'll, I'll just tell you – I will tell you the different um, pluses and minuses of being at different points of that gym. Is that a fair way to put it? Um, okay. If you're in the crow's nest, one thing I like – and people say that's awful, that that's a horrible place. It's really not. Um, you can see passing lanes and stuff like that. And, and and things why develop. Coordinators in the booth instead of down on the field. B- b- bingo! It's not it's not as bad as people think it is. Now, what you can't pick on pick up on is the atmosphere of the gym, because you can't see probably eighty percent of the crowd because the banners kind of block your view. You can't see the jumbotron scoreboard at all for all those banners, and so you see the floor pretty well. Um, and you can see what coaches are doing, you know. But you get you get a really good view. Um, now, when you're Look, courtside, the only thing I'll advocate. For yeah, go ahead. For when it comes to all of this, Chris, the only thing I'll advocate for is like we all made it work during a pandemic right. season in which you had to call games remotely. Yeah. I just don't. And there's there's going to be a lot of that moving forward because it was manageable. Yeah. Uh, but but manageable is not the level that many of us want to strive for. Like no, I know. When Isaiah Thomas, it was Isaiah Thomas, right, that hit that walk-off home run against Georgia Tech to win that regional. Um, was it Thomas? Gosh, baseball season seems forever ago it now. Was, it was it was Isaiah Thomas. He hit okay. that home run. Um, I, I can't. My mind is a little blurry. I don't know if it was. It wasn't a walk-off. It just it gave them the lead. Yeah, um, that seems right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he and he and he just torched it down the left field line toward Memorial. My. My friend is Mike Cousins, who had that call and did it remotely. He had a hard time figuring out whether that ball was fair, foul, gone, what the deal was, because you can't get a camera over there that quickly. And I know he got popped a little bit um, on Twitter about it. And it's it's funny. He sent me a few other things where he gets popped on Twitter for whatever it is. Um, But that's the stuff that, like, as an announcer, you have deep empathy for. And then when you start trying to do that on a regular basis, that kind of that makes you queasy. If I'm in the building, I'm I'm usually okay. Yeah, I, I, I felt horrible for you guys trying to call games. Um I, I just I think that would have been a hard task for all the reasons you just kind of outlined. Um I will say that being courtside, the stuff you pick the thing that I see at courtside that I don't see from other vantage points is you you can't believe how physical and fast the game is when you're actually on the floor um, 
you know, seeing seeing these guys, not eye level, but you know, you're looking up a little bit. But that that's the difference to me is you get that element of the game when you're really close and, and you get some things with that. When you're up in the crow's nest, you get some things you don't get down there. Um I guess you could say the media suite is kind of the middle of that, but I didn't like it as much personally because I didn't feel like you got the best of either world. Maybe it's the and and I think it's probably personal preference. Like when I um when I was growing up as a kid and my parents had season tickets, we sat up in the rafters uh, for basketball and sat up on the top row for football. So I, I was used to watching a game from a long way away perspective that probably influences how I see things. Uh, but it, I guess it's just different strokes for different folks. No, and I respect the fact that – and look, the age difference between the two of us, Chris, is not that grand. So don't um, – no, it's more grand this, than you think. <laughs> well, uh, don't, don't don't take this the wrong way. I just recognize that I come from a certain segment of um, broadcasting journalism land where we're all sort of used to this. Like in college at Syracuse, we called the games um, basketball games from a forklift, and that's oh my, that's, that's no joke, um, because. Hey, shocker, those courtside spots are really valuable. So the athletic department sold them and gave us a forklift, which ended up being fine. They don't do that anymore Um, after the situation that happened at Notre Notre Dame Dame. a handful of years ago. It changed. Uh, But yeah, like (laughs) there was so much static electricity in that forklift. We knew that we had to like decharge it before we got into it. And then went up and called the game basically right next to that pullout stand section with the scoreboard. So my point is, like, I grew up in an era of calling games that you recognize you could be anywhere um, and you just become adaptable with it. Um, It doesn't mean that there's some places I like or dislike more than the others. It's just you roll with the punches. Yeah, you roll with the punches. And generally speaking, you can make it work like being outside in bad weather is a problem done that plenty of times or like at at virginia tech for a season we had to stuff the visiting radio outside underneath the tent because we were doing construction on the press box um and at night there was no light for those guys so it there's plenty of things that become a problem like plenty of things that become a problem but generally speaking once you've hit the uh you know power five SEC type level, like you're not dealing with card tables. I called, I called an entire, um, this was, this was bizarre. Um, I called an entire Boston college, Virginia tech baseball series from the third row of a three row bleacher right behind home plate because it was Boston college and they had not fixed their baseball facility just yet. So it was, it was a high school field. Um, and in the second row for an entire game, in fact, an entire doubleheader, I think, was at the time the GM of the Chicago Cubs, Theo Epstein. Oh, and wow. And that's not a bizarre place to call a game, knowing that Theo Epstein hears every single thing that you say. Um, not that there was necessarily pressure, but like that dude knows baseball. So if you make a stupid comment about baseball, it's right into the eardrum of Theo Epstein. So like all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> is kind of kind of gone at this point like the press box here at hawkins is solid 
We have our technical issues over at Vanderbilt Football Stadium. Like that place needs a fresh coat of paint. We understand that. But like all of the stuff that you deal with at this point, it all becomes very, very manageable. And again, it's not the third row of a three-row aluminum bleacher in 10-degree weather calling a baseball game in Boston. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and Hawkins Field, is, as far as media combinations, I think is, is really good. Yes. Okay, this is the last one. Uh, besides Memorial, rank your favorite arena to call games at. That one also from NBA Door. Now, do we think this is just basketball? Do we think this is well? He said arenas, sports? so I, I would okay. presume that's basketball. Madison Square Garden. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Um, I did one game there, and we were courtside. Uh, it was I was filling in for Virginia Tech men's basketball. It was like a 5 p.m. tip off against Washington and nobody was there. It was sort of like the Texas Tech Tennessee thing where the big game was later and you got kind of the uh, tip off game. But it didn't matter. Like courtside Madison Square Garden. That was that might be. And then like you walked out and you. You can see the Empire State Building as you load the bus and all of that sort of stuff. Like all of the grandiose history that's happened inside that building. Uh, that was a very, very cool night. Andrew, appreciate your time today. Uh, any other thoughts or anything before we end the podcast? Uh, I would just, and I, I know you're doing plenty of this. Um, I would just plug all of the stuff that we're going to do for football signing day. Um, yeah, next yeah. Next week. Um, I'm really intrigued to see everything. I always enjoy it. I respect the fact that um, no coaching staff ever tells you that they've had their worst recruiting class in history. So um, it will be plenty of positivity, and that's fine. Uh, but I always enjoy um, getting to hear the coaches speak for the first time about the recruits coming into the program. And I know we've got some stuff planned um, on VUCommodores.com plus all of the social channels. So uh, I would just pay attention to that stuff. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. If I don't speak to you again in a couple of weeks, which I don't know what that's going to be like, because the next time in two weeks from now, it's going to be right before Christmas. So uh, may not talk to you on the podcast again until New Year's, or we may. But either way, uh, have a safe and wonderful holiday season. And thanks again for all you do to help us here. Uh, Chris, you're very welcome. Go give Oreo a hug. Yeah, Oreo has finally abandoned his post next to the door after about 40 minutes of pleading. Uh, so say what you about want about that dog. He is persistent. I think what probably happened uh, is my wife, who also works from home, let him out in the backyard. But anyway. There you, um, go. There you go. Well, Merry Christmas to you guys. Happy holidays. Absolutely. Uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. 
And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.